Okay, Barry, we are recording and we are going to talk some more on the Rise and Thrive Show podcast about what we just were participating in, which is your class called My Beautiful Life. That's right. We're fresh from class. We're all, <laughs> I'm all juiced up. Yeah. And we're all a humming, a humming with the topic, which this time is self love from now on. That's our module two topic for four weeks, different facets and aspects of living self-love as an uh, informing and nourishing attitude in life. And th this is such an important dimension of your self-mastery tools. And people love this. They love learning about this. There's, there's always some tears, interestingly. Yes, there when is. When people start is... thinking about self-love. Yeah, I think because uh, they're getting permission to um, to open up, open up the heart, open mm -hmm. up your heart center to yourself and to allow more love in and out. And especially to allow yourself to be blessed and nourished by more love from you to you and between you and others. But yeah, very often people find themselves kind of surprised by tears mm -hmm. as we're mm -hmm. in this topic. And I think it cause, that's because part, it's part of how the heart opens. The heart opens with tears. Yeah. Tears are some kind of a medicine for more love. Mm, I love that. Well, why don't we start with uh, you giving an overview of what you're planning to do over the next four weeks in, this, uh, in the class. We're going to be talking about it on the podcast after each class. So uh, people who aren't in the class but are listening to the podcast can can follow along that way. But uh, why don't you talk a little bit more about how you conceptualize this and talk about the importance of self-love now? Sure. Um, well, I kicked it off today with uh, putting self-love on the table as kind of a new thing happening in humanity where uh, in the last part of this last century where there's been movements for greater love for for self for others for planet uh, where there's been liberation movements waves of them one after another that um, were led and um, catalyzed by groups of people that were throwing off oppression and throwing off the idea that we're less than other people that we don't deserve the full rights that you know people would want to have so I talked about it as in a way, in a way, all of us are kind of mutations. We're mutating out of an, a former paradigm in which it was considered wise and good to feel bad. <laughs> it was considered uh, a good person is someone who works hard to try and become good, but isn't natively, naturally good because of original sin or other habits of negative thinking that have been, you know, Around part of the culture, then. part of religious thinking. Yeah, yeah. So when I when I grew up, it was, it was kind of normal in my family life for, for people to feel a little shamey and down, mm -hmm. and a little bit guilty and beating themselves up a little bit, and you were considered a good person if you were doing that. <laughs> Whereas if you came in the room like all sunny and powerful about something, somebody would say, well, "What are you so happy about?" Oh, you know, yeah. or somebody else would say, "Aren't you getting a little bit big for your britches there?" Mm. That's a classic, right? Don't get yeah. too big for your britches. Like, don't feel too good about yourself. That's not that's not okay. And there's been this whole turnaround of that attitude in the last 
50, 60, 70 years where people are, you know, suddenly they're going, well, what about self-esteem? And my, how do I raise my child with self-esteem? Mm -hmm. And there's this whole, you know, movement around that and, and raising children with a positive sense of self. That's new. That's a new thing in, you know, the longer arc of, of time. So, so I was kind of putting that out today saying, you know what, we are mutations. We are creatures who get to like pick a new belief and work it, work it into our lives so that we feel better about ourselves and, and that that's okay. That's okay to do that. So we did a couple of exercises around connecting with looking at ourselves through, through the eyes of love. And uh, so I've kind of invited people to, to sign up to a positive belief that says you are a cherished child of the universe. You are beloved. You are being guided and watched, protected, helped, taught, etc., by a loving force in this universe because you are a cherished child. And that's, that's a way of looking at being human. I think that allows us to learn and grow with a sense of support and compassion and acceptance of um, it's difficult. It's difficult to be human. It's difficult to get some things well enough. And we all fall short of what we wish we could be and do. But let's be merciful about it. I, I love this topic. And I think there's sort of a lot to to reflect on about it and reflect on about what's true and what's not true. And you were talking in the class today about this concept of original sin and how that has been interpreted over over you know centuries by different religions. I, I wanted to ask you this. I didn't get a chance to ask it in class, but I, you know, I heard one, I, I don't remember where this came from, but the idea that the word sin is an archery term. And mm. when you say original sin, it actually means miss the mark. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's that we aren't hitting the target. And, you know, I was thinking about that from the standpoint of, of what you were also talking about with in, in the human world, we're, we're fraught. We've got all sorts of challenges in humanness, but could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think I was sort of jamming on this idea about original sin and what it, maybe it also means besides the idea that was put forth in previous centuries that you are just bad from the get-go and you have to work hard to become good and you have to be redeemed and, uh, you know, you're, you're a lowly worm and you're probably going to go to hell unless you try really hard. There's like this whole negative a messaging that came out in, in prior centuries, especially like in the Puritan expressions of Christianity. But I was comparing the idea of original sin with a very old idea that comes out of Hindu scriptures, which talks about something called the three malas, or the three bad thoughts, mm. and which they say all the problems in the human world, all the problems in human life come from the three bad thoughts. One, I am different, like I am kind of freakishly different than other people. I am separate. I'm separate from other people, from the world, from God, and I am defective. There's something wrong with me, mm. and another way of saying shame. Mm. Um, and this very, very old scripture says, this is the problem, and this is what needs to be uprooted 
and healed and tamed through spiritual practices are these uh, three bad thoughts that people tend to go to easily for whatever reason. We tend to go into those easily. I am different or you are different. That's another mm -hmm. version of it. Yeah. Um, I am separate or you are separate. And I am defective or you are defective. That, that we hold these thoughts and they cause problems. They cause oppression. They cause uh, fights and, and misunderstandings and all of that. So I was kind of laying these two ideas out from two different points in religion side by side and saying, mm -hmm. well, maybe we could say original sin is the fact that we easily gravitate towards those thoughts. We easily oh, yeah. uh, uh, are attracted to those thoughts. And later on, we were talking about what I call the 80% rule. And that's that I think it's, it's, and this is something I got as a message from my own spiritual source one time when I was really struggling and suffering about how I was feeling like I was falling short of, you know, who I should be, what I should be accomplishing. And I got this beautiful message from spirit that I think addresses this. And it said, you know, being human is difficult and being in the earth is difficult. And it is really hard to get your plan that you made as a soul when you were in spirit to translate 100% correctly in the earth when you get here, when you're here yeah. growing up. Things don't translate as beautifully as they did in your idea, in your pure idea as you were you know, waiting to become born in the earth. <laughs> and so uh, the, the message was, you know, we in spirit are your soul, your teachers, your guides. We are so happy if you get anything 80% right. We are so impressed and happy if things you attempt in this life come about 80% true. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And you should allow yourself to feel great about an 80% performance in most things in mm -hmm. your life because it's just too hard to get it 100%. And we've been trained by our uh, school systems and by other systems that kind of uh, score us along certain rigid lines uh, with points that make you give you an A or a B or a C. We've been trained to uh, not be happy with a B you know, to, to really like feel like I should have got an A. But in fact, 80% very good, I'm told. Well, I, I love that. I love that your guide, uh, your spiritual source gave you that message because I think that is like a lot of people could really benefit from uh, embracing that um, because they are so hard on themselves if they feel like they're falling short, which, you know, we're, what we're talking about is the human condition here. Right. And I, I just got to say, I love the three malas that it, what it tells me is that we humans have been struggling with these ideas for a long, long time. And there's something about knowing that back, you know, way in our lineages and our ancestors that, that they were struggling with this too. They were trying to figure out how do I, what do I expect from myself and how Generation I... after generation yeah. through centuries, we've been struggling with this stuff. And I find some hope and some heartening evidence that perhaps there can be a shift, a, a turning of a corner 
around our consciousness as we look at uh, the various liberation movements that have mm -hmm. waved through yeah. since the 1950s and 60s, the various groups standing up and throwing off shackles of shame and feeling different and not entitled to the same rights as everyone else. Wave after wave, you know, mm -hmm. of, of groups of people standing up with more self-love, basically, and yeah. saying, I am worthy yeah. and I have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I am not separate. I am not different. I am not bad. And there's just, uh, it's, it's a whole new thing, I think, that, uh, and what's informing it, I think, is love, mm -hmm. unconditional love, love and acceptance for others. And um, it's translated in various, in various movements and, and efforts, but that's really what's underneath it, is a movement of love and an awakening to greater love and serenity. Yeah, and I it when I'm going back to this 80% rule, you know, there still is an ideal. There still is a target that you're aiming for. We are we aspire to excellence. But what it takes to actually achieve excellence with all of the fraught human conditions, you know, it might be that that we don't we miss the mark. You know, we we don't hit the target. And yet we don't want to, you know, beat up ourselves for not hitting the target because that's counter counterproductive right it's like we want right. to just keep keep aiming but also keep encouraging right and also incorporating um our, our alignment b between our layers of self and our connection with spirit and um you brought up a beautiful word in our conversation in class and you talked about well, you know, there's perfectionism and, you know, it's downsides, but there's also transcendence. There's mm -hmm. also something that we recognize in great moments of uh, sports or speech or art that are illumined. They're illumined. And so you kind of expanded my brain about this today, Erin, and I was <laughs> thinking, yeah, you know, what makes the transcendent act? And I think it's, um, you have a person in their right uh, expression of purpose who has trained themselves, you know, intensely and practiced a lot so that they really have their, their chops, whether it's piano or, or, you know, gymnastics, it really got some chops there. And then you have a strong intention, a strong intention of, I am going to do my absolute best, I am going to ace this thing i am going to you know really honor this piano piece that i'm playing fully and so you've got your your training and your intention and then you have this letting go mm -hmm. you have this a, a point in the in the performance where you're also just dropping your ego and your self-consciousness and letting the thing happen through you and that is what creates great moments is mm -hmm. that a person who has mastered certain skills and who is very aligned in them in themselves and their intention but they've also learned how to just okay let go and just let the breath of god play through me in this mm -hmm. song and that's when truly um memorable moments happen in um human performance yeah, yeah. And we're witnessing some of that right now is, you know, people all over the globe are watching the Olympics and seeing certain, um, certain athletes 
perform and and you know i was looking at some still photography of some of these moments olympic moments and i just couldn't believe what i was seeing <laughs> it was so incredible human beings be you know doing achieving things that were so incredible and even the photography i was like those photographers are at the top of their game look yes. at what they can do yeah <laughs> i love that you know and it it and so there is like we're aiming toward some kind of ideal some kind of excellence but we also like there's a lot of things that get in the way of that and i think what i'm hearing you say is in this recent wave there's there's a there's a more a greater understanding that that you don't beat yourself up for not achieving but it's different than how it's been done in the past right and you don't let it mean anything about who you are in essence you know, you don't let it mean this moment of, quote, failure mm -hmm. uh, doesn't mean that you are a failure. You, you, yeah. you as a person or as an athlete or as a student are a failure. It's like you got a failing mark on this act and you are still good and wonderful and amazing. And there's another day. You and know, you, you to... may have some things to learn. <laughs> right, you may have some yeah. things to learn. Yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah. it's just letting go and saying, "Well, <laughs> did my best there, and uh, you know that's what happened." And I, I still love myself. I still value myself. Yeah, and I think I think you're you're getting at something that's really that that people have to kind of grapple with within themselves about this because it isn't your version of what you're explaining as self love, Mary, isn't just. I am so awesome. I am so awesome. Look at me. I'm so awesome. It's not like hollow self-esteem. It's, it's like, it's like, but it's like self-regard that I have value. I am a child of God. I am a yes. child. I am, I, I am worthy. And the thing about that is I am a worthy person who can also, you know, fail to prepare and, and flunk a test. And hopefully, if I have that situation, I regard myself well enough that I go, okay, let's look at that and let's see where, where I could improve. And instead of just like, well, I'm awesome anyway, I can fail a test, you know, it's like, <laughs> like, but, but I also don't need to like decide I don't deserve to live because I failed a test. You know what I right. mean? Like it's, it's right. So I talked about um, in the, in the task of increasing our self-love, we need to develop this sense of a child within us and a loving parent around us a loving good parent whether you think of it as your soul or god or you know just a psychological construct doesn't matter but uh you want to step into this consciousness that says you know i'm being looked after i'm being taken care of i'm being taught i'm being helped i'm being encouraged i'm being contained sometimes and i don't think I don't think in this new paradigm that God punishes. That was part of the old paradigm is that, you know, God was a punishing God. And the way I've come to understand it in recent years is that, that God corrects us. It, it, adjust, it makes corrections and adjustments and, and limitations, limits rather, mm -hmm. limits that are good for us. Mm -hmm. You know, just like in the same way a good parent will not allow a four-year-old to go outside of the yard they have to stay inside the fence mm -hmm. and it's a curtailing of freedom in one way but no it's it's so that they're safe it's so that they're they're um 
uh, they can be watched after, and it's good for them to be contained in this small space. And every now and then, we feel kind of limited by our life circumstances, and we mm -hmm. feel restless and like, why can't I, why can't I change this? And it may be just part of a time of our life where we're learning things in a contained space, and mm. that it's our loving parent in the universe that has got us in this particular phase of life, and we need to do our best with it until it changes. I, I just think that's so important. And the, the other thing I wanted to bring up about self-love and, and compassion for self is when we think of our younger self. You know, we think of maybe I learned to handle myself in a different way than I knew 20, 20 some years ago. And then I look back at myself 20, 20 years ago and I, I cringe, you know, I have a memory of how I was in a particular situation or how, you know, how I handled a breakup or, you know, something like that. And I go, Oh, and I just cringe, cringe. worthy moments. Yeah. And I feel like if you're on the path of self mastery and you're constantly growing and f learning to embrace your purpose and trying to be this soul illumined personality that you, t that you teach Mary, Part of that is recognizing that I, you know, hopefully if I'm doing it right, I'm always going to be better than I was before. So looking at, at that younger self that, you know, was awkward or erred, made mistakes, didn't, wasn't very graceful in how she handled something and having some compassion for her because she was learning, right? <laughs> she was learning and and to be able to have compassion for my younger self and, and not just get hung up on the, on the cringe or the shame of that. And I think that's so important because when we can have compassion for ourselves, then I think we can have compassion for other people who are maybe at a particular point on their journey where they haven't figured some things out yet. I think so. I think in a way that, um, you know, you're talking a bit about patience mm. with yourself and patience with others. And I, I have found that like some of the best medicine for my own uh, sense of well-being for me is to, is to unilaterally not judge or mm -hmm. criticize. I, if, I, if, I, if I look at somebody who's trying to, you know, sing, for instance, and they, they hit a false note or it wasn't so, one part wasn't so great, you know, if I'm going to spend if I'm going to be critical about that and judgmental about that, that's, that's a part of, that's the way I treat myself too. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas if I can give some mercy, some compassion, some patience to the humans around me who are hitting 80% at best, <laughs> then I, I will have more mercy for myself when I'm mm -hmm. doing 80% or less. And I just think everyone needs a break. You know, mm -hmm. especially you, especially me. We need a break in terms of being hard on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So for this week. Yeah. So we talked about this imperfection stuff this week. Next week, I'm going to talk about self-love and its relationship to intimacy mm -hmm. with others and health, healthy vulnerability, mm. like the ability to show people our hearts and what we really think or believe or know and in a healthy way, healthy, open way. And then uh, the week after, we're going to be talking 
more about self-acceptance and about the process of self-forgiveness. What do we do mm. when we have made a mistake or uh, we're feeling like it's really hard to stop focusing on the 20% when we're falling short? Yeah. Uh, how do we clear that? How do we forgive ourselves? And the last week um, in Module 2, I want to give some thought to what I call the wild self and also confidence. What what causes us to grow more confident in ourselves? So I think uh, we've got some juicy conversations ahead. Yeah, for sure. And I, I love that this is all sort of heading in the direction of self-forgiveness because that you know that's part of what you teach in your forgiveness workshops and it's one of those things where very often when you have a workshop and and we're gathered in person and and there's you know 12 or 15 people there and at the beginning everyone is like what are they going to forgive what 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 brought them to the workshop and inevitably there's people who you know are just i think the person i need to forgive is myself you know and it's and they say it with such sad oh, heaviness, such weight, yeah. Yeah. such weight in those words. When are we going to do self-forgiveness? Yeah. You can just see this burden of self-embarrassment that people carry. Yeah, and... yeah, and yet it's it's so important. It's it's such an important relationship with yourself to have a way to redeem redeem your errors, redeem your. And it, it's like a new foundation. Mm -hmm. It's like you're saying, I want the things that I do, the people I'm with, and everything that I'm moving forward with to be on a foundation of being okay with myself, mm -hmm. not on shaky ground. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's such an important part of learning to love yourself more. Yeah. And... It's all connected. <laughs> it's all connected about feeling good inside our own skins and feeling like we belong and allowing ourselves to enjoy the life that is given to us. Well, let's let's wrap up our conversation right now, Mary. And then if somebody wants to join the class, they still can, right? They still can. We'll work you in. We'll adjust the price. We'll be in touch the week before and, and uh, sign you up. That'd be great. You can find that on my homepage at maryhaysgreco.com or forgivenesstraining.com. And I'm also making available a kind of an audio version of the course where I'm sending out the links to my talks in these classes. You know, you're hearing little snippets of some of these talks in this podcast, but if you want some more deeper stuff, we have uh, the class talks available as a package that you can get uh, sent to you weekly. There's a few people that are doing this because... Uh, they really want to be in class, but they are so zoomed out. And they, mm -hmm. you know, they do Zoom all week for work. And they're like, I cannot look at the screen, but I want to be in your class. So I've, I cooked up a way to do that. So That's if good. you'd like to receive the class information, uh, you can find out about that on my website too. And I would welcome you. Great. Well, super fun day today and really enjoyed being in class and then also getting a chance to kind of talk with you more, Mary. So thank you for everything. And All right. Thank you for being yeah. there oh, yeah. week after week with your pretty <laughs> face and your tech technological savvy. Yeah. <laughs> your good ideas. It's been a delight. And thanks to everybody who is tuning in to this podcast. Thank you so much for being with us. And we're doing this because we love you. It's all about love. It is. All right. Thank you, Mary. Talk to you soon. See you next time.